Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, welcome to Sensual Self. I'm Evian Whitney, and this is a space for you to slow down, tune in, heal, and feel the sensations and pleasures of your sensual body. Thank you for being here. Hey, y'all. Happy New Year. Uh, maybe it's a little late to say that, but who cares? Happy New Year. (laughs) I hope that 2022 is treating you well. I hope that you are feeling lots of ease and safety in your body. I am so happy to be back in your ears after taking a little break um, from this podcast. I had a whirlwind couple of months. Um, As you know, I was releasing a book and going on book tour and then also navigating the holidays. And then I chose chaos and decided to get a puppy. So after all of that, uh, your girl really needed to take a pause and rest, which thank you, by the way, for allowing me the space and time to take care of myself. I am feeling so much more restored and clear now that I've had this little break, and I'm excited about what this year holds. I'm excited for what this year is going to reveal to all of us about our sensual selves. Another thing I'm excited about, uh, this chat that I'm about to share with you that I had with my girl, Shan Boudram. Shan is a sexologist, a sex educator, and host of the podcast, Lovers and Friends. And in this conversation, we talk about what sensuality and sexual identity looks like for her as a new mom. We talk about the ways she is challenging and redefining ages-old narratives of what motherhood should look like, and also about how being a sex educator has shaped the way she is able to show up to parenting a kid. It's really interesting. 
What I loved about this conversation, apart from just speaking to Shan in general, because she is such a pleasure to chat with, is how real Shan was about parenting. Like she says out loud a lot of things that I think parents or would-be parents feel and fear, but just don't have the courage to admit or name within themselves. And it was really interesting for me to hear her talk about things like mom guilt because it challenged in real time, and you will hear, (laughs) my own narratives about what it means to have children. Like you'll hear me talk about my choice to not have kids in this episode, which is something I haven't really talked about that much publicly. And as I walked away from this conversation, I found myself wishing that I had been exposed to conversations like this when I was growing up, because I think that if I had, and if I had had different models of what parenting can look like, maybe I would be in a different place today when it comes to wanting to have kids. Basically, Shan is a possibility model of parenthood for me, but not in this lifetime, in the next lifetime. I also really, really loved what she shared when I asked her um, what she wants to teach her kid, Ryu, about her body and sensuality. So let's not waste any time. You've been waiting long enough already. Let's get into this conversation, which I hope that you enjoy. And, uh, you know, I'll pop back in towards the end to close us out and give you a practice to take with you for your sensual self. Shan, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast and for allowing me to interview you for 17 of my podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking for a long time today. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. We are in Shan's beautiful backyard deck situation outside. So you might hear a little background noise. A little rooster here and there. Yeah, but it's all good. I'm so happy to talk to you. I've been wanting to have you on my podcast for a long time. And um, in particular, I'm really curious about... What has been like for you to be a mom? Oh, and how that has affected, shifted, changed, enhanced your ability to be in your sexuality, your body, your sensuality. It has been. I will tell you that whenever I get asked this question, there's like two competing forces that are happening in me. Um, my dad is such a very important person for people to meet to understand me, and my dad is downplay central. My dad's downplay central and say the unexpected thing. Mm. So that's my dad's like forte. So if someone says like, what's it like having a kid who talks about sex for a living? My dad is going to downplay what I do to the maximum and then say something edgy instead. And so I feel like a lot of times when I get asked in interviews about like, how has being a mom changed you? My automatic go-to is like, it's not fucking different at all. Like, mm. but that's because I'm like, what's the edgy and most downplayingest <laughs> response I can give. Um, so that's like one thing that happens in me because that actually is a part of my truth, to be yeah. honest with you. A big part of my truth is that I made a very big intention when I decided to conceive uh, because we were intentionally trying to conceive for six months before I was successful. So I thought that was a very important process for me too, because for a long time, I didn't even want to have kids. Mm. So the fact that I had to really work for it, I think actually worked out in my favor, but. Can I ask what changed? Cause I'm, I'm in the camp of not wanting to have kids either. I'm pretty firm on that. What, what made you change your mind or. I read this book that's called the art of love. And in it, it basically said that there's, 
you know, many ways to be a mom, but there's two different camps in terms of motherhood approach. There's people who have children because they want a baby and there's people who have children because they want an adult. And mm. I recognize that I've never wanted a baby, but I do want an adult. Mm. Like I do want to share all that I have to give somebody an opportunity to be an awesome adult. And I was like, that's how I feel. And then furthermore, I was with a partner who I just loved so much and I would love to see, share what they have with somebody else. And we just got into a place in every area of life, like financially and in our relationship and our connection with others. Like we have an incredible community. Like I just am so grateful for what we have curated here in LA and to call this place home. So it just yeah. felt like we have so much to share but because I never wanted a kid, it was like, I, I don't want a baby, but I want an adult. And I recognize the byproduct of having an adult is going through the process of nurturing a baby. So that was an aha for me of like, yeah, that's, that's the kind of parent I want to be. And then that was like, oh, I want to be a parent. Wow. That's so interesting. The idea of like some people choose to have kids because they want to have a baby versus they want to have adult. I've never heard someone speak to that before. Yeah, and I grew up with a mom who wanted a baby. And that was really difficult, I think, on our relationship because my mom wanted a kid and she was looking for a particular kind of love and the love a child could give. And so it was such a bizarre thing for me because I actually couldn't even name it really until that book of why was it that I was so close to my mom as a kid? We were best friends. I used to say that to my mom, I was in love with her. And I mm. genuinely mean that, like, I am in love with you. And all of a sudden when I turned to a teen, there was this huge rift that kept growing between us. And I mean, like up until maybe like last year, um, wow. kept increasingly growing. And then I recognized that it was because my mom never wanted an adult. And so as soon as I turned into a teen, I started to want space from her and want autonomy and have ideas that were not in line with what she wanted. Mm. She didn't know how to love me or how to be my friend or, you know, how to transition the relationship. And so it just kept getting more and more awkward. And I think maybe part of that experience has made me feel like I didn't want a kid, but I just maybe wanted to go about it a different way. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast that I'm doing is, is it's about sex. It's about the body. It's also about sensuality. And I have so many questions about how your being a mom now, you're having a kid, you're having a kid might have shifted or just enhanced this experience that you have with your own body, with your own sensuality. But I first want to ask, like, what does sensuality mean to you? Because I know we're both sex educators. I'm sure we've heard lots of things about what sensuality is. I'm just really curious about like what your definition of it is. <laughs> you know, my honest answer right now is like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at you and I'm like, it's the way that you sit. It's oh, the tone of your voice. I love that. It's the jewelry you've chosen. It's the way that your skin shines. It's the way oh. that you don't have nail polish on. Um, oh, it's like everything be bothered. <laughs> about, I mean, I don't have it on either, but mine's like, I guess I do. I have this version of it, but <laughs> it's like complete being completely at home and at one with your sensory experience here on this planet. Mm. And I feel like it's that it's like, it's, it's presentness. Right? Yeah. Like when you're touching, when you're smelling, when you're seeing, you're reflecting on the now. Mm. And so to be a sensual person is to be like completely present in the now. Yeah. Um, and because there is an abundance of things happening around you, it's like you're full. 
Yeah. Because when you're experiencing everything at once, there's a fullness about you. And when I look over at you, I'm just like, you feel like you're so full and present in this moment. Oh, that's really lovely. Thank you for that reflection. I always am so curious about what people think when they see me. But I actually really loved your reflection of what sensuality is because that is like the essence of what I feel that sensuality is. And I know that a lot of people, I've heard, particularly in my career, I've heard people use sensuality and sexuality interchangeably, that they're the same thing. And I, I, I've always been really curious about that. Um, my suspicion is the reason why they use them interchangeably is that there's still so much fear around sex, saying the word sex, that to say sexuality, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we got to say sensuality, you know? Right. Um, uh, so I've seen that a lot in my work where people will describe themselves like, I am a sensual being, but they won't actually say sexual being. So sensual feels like the the only thing that they can say, that they're allowed to say to express yes, themselves. Yes, like a lot of people interchange intimacy with sex. Yes. And to yes. me, intimacy just means a close personal bond. Yes. And that can take the form of romantic or sexual, can take the form of friendship, it can take the form of self. So like to me, that's what that word means, but people use it interchangeably because it's like, I had an intimate experience last night. Yeah. Oh, you fucked? <laughs> no. Yes, but no. Um, yeah, so I definitely have always made a very... Actually, years ago when I first started my YouTube channel, or restarted it, I had a series that's called The Sensual Series. Mm. And it was just me noticing that I just really did not pay attention to like my present sensory experiences and how I showed up as a sensual person. Um, I read this book that was called Mama Gina's School for Sensual Arts. Mama Gina. Yeah, and that was a really big turning point for me too because it was like a sensual person finds pleasure in every moment. And then I started to redefine the word pleasure because yes. pleasure is also separate from sex. Yes. And it's fascinating because I went on The View years ago and I talked about wanting to advocate for women in particular, but for people to f- live and to seek a pleasure-filled life. And the host, who was DJ Tanner, I think, I don't know her real name, <laughs> but you know, one of the Full House people was like, I have a problem with what you're presenting. You're telling people out there that just go out there and get pleasure. Just go get pleasure. (laughs) And like, you know, like you have responsibilities in life. You've got people to tend to. And I was like, well, why is your pleasure in conflict with what you have to do or what what other people need of you? Like, why is you feeling good in conflict with you being a provider or a mom or anything else? But we have this notion that we have to choose at all times, right? And then choosing pleasure or choosing sensuality is choosing selfishness versus self-fullness. So I think in general, like that, there's a lot of confusion around these concepts that people marry together because they're trying to whip past them, yes. which is really a betrayal of what these words are trying to help you to do. Yeah. I, I really appreciate this conversation because I, I have been trying to discern sexuality from sensuality, like throughout my whole career. I think um, I started from this place of wanting to do sex education, but that felt really lofty to me because I was in my own process around sexual shame, sexual healing, sexual trauma. And so sensuality felt a lot easier for me to grab onto because it's like, it's just being with your body. Mm -hmm. It's just allowing your body to feel and not just feel pleasure, but also feel the other things that may not be very pleasant, you know? And like just that realness and that rawness of being able to sit in space with your body in that way. 
that felt like such a beautiful gateway to get to the sex, the sexy parts and to get to the sexy pleasure. I don't think that my personal philosophy is that we can't have sex without there being sensuality involved in it. Like there's just no, I mean, I'm sure there might be some people who have managed to have sex without sensuality getting involved, but that's not my ministry. (laughs) And I wouldn't prefer that because I feel like, um, I feel like the best sex that I've ever had is from that place of having all of my senses engaged, being completely present with my partner or with myself and how that presence just creates more possibility and potential for, for feeling and intimacy and receiving and giving. And it's just, it's beautiful. Well, can you have a sensual experience if you're just really tapped into one of your senses? Because that, by nature, is what sex is, right? Like, if, if nothing right. else, you're experiencing physical sensations. I mean, for some people, you're not experiencing that. You're experiencing uh, just touch in general, like the joy of being touched and paid attention to through touch by someone else. So at the bare minimum, isn't it just naturally sensual? That's so interesting because I, like, I feel like the sex that I have, every single one of my senses, not even all five of them, like probably all 20 of them are being you know, played with, aroused, interacted with when it comes to sex. I think that that, yeah, that's just, that's just the way that it is for me. That's weird. Huh. Interesting. I think you're right. I think that people, like anything else in life, like I would, not that there's a competition, you know, a sliding scale factor here, but I would consider you to be a more sensual person. Like I would look up to you as an aspirational icon in this space. That isn't to deny my own sensuality. It's to say like there are levels of getting to this space where you can be with your body, which I believe, oh my gosh, when you just said that, it was such a beautiful, simplified, put that in the Webster definition (laughs) of what sensuality is, like just being with your body, um, which can really be oversimplified. But again, like you just said, the more that you break that down, like there's millions of iterations of what that means to do that and if you're experiencing two out of those a million you're still experiencing sensuality to some degree right right so one thing that I've heard from folks that I've spoken to in the past whether they were clients of mine or students who are moms they've said to me that having children has been a really beautiful experience but it also takes them out of their own body Hmm. it's like um it's like their body doesn't become theirs anymore. It becomes a mechanism for feeding, a mechanism for nurturing. It doesn't, they feel sort of disconnected and, and disembodied. And I wondered if you have any experience with that. And if you have, like, how have you moved past that? I think being really aware, I mean, this is the benefit of the work that we do. Just the same way that I'm sure if you were an accountant, you'd have great credit because you have an awareness (laughs) of the system and you're mindful of the common mistakes and pitfalls. And before you enter into something, you know what's likely to happen and you build a plan from there. So I really feel very fortunate that I do the work that I do because it's allowed me to navigate these spaces in a very seamless way. I mean, the part of motherhood that I'm struggling with a lot is how time consuming it is. And I don't think I really, I've never been great at time management to begin with. So this is already compounding that issue. So I'm saying that to say that I believe that a lot of people shy away from motherhood because you hear these common tropes about the experiences. It doesn't have to be that way. Mm. It's, I think motherhood exaggerates, you know, it exaggerates whatever work that you haven't done yet because you just have less. You have less you, you have less time, you have less consciousness, you, you have less sleep. So 
whatever you already were lacking is going to be exaggerated through this experience. And whatever you haven't been planning for, haven't been putting work into, you're just going to feel that inadequacy so much more because more is called of you. Um, But because I think sex and sensuality and feeling sexual, even separate from being having sex, just feeling like a sexual person is so important to me. Um, I prioritize that in my pregnancy. You know, I, I literally bought lingerie like for all sizes. So I made sure that I looked in the mirror and was like, she's hot as fuck. Like I want to have sex with myself. I prioritize masturbation. I prioritize self-pleasure. Even when I was preparing for birth, like I did um, like perineum exercises and I use that as also a sex toy so I would use it in conjunction so this thing that was kind of not that pleasurable of like stretching out the perineum so that it would not tear I also turned that into like a sensual sexual experience myself so I was like aware of what I wanted to do to ensure that I came out of it and I looked in the mirror and I was like oh I know that person Mm. and then I also was aware that I wanted to get back to looking the way that my body did before pregnancy because I very strongly identify with that version of my body and I didn't want to lose that version of my body and I'm somebody who had a baby quite late like I had a baby at 35 so in a medical sense I was like an elder mom Um, so I also knew that I couldn't take that for granted that like it wouldn't just happen for me I had to be very intentional about these things and I did that even you know sex with my partner like we had conversations about it the entire way and even after I gave birth and I felt like they were not relating to me sexually, I pressed the pause button Mm. and was like, irks, I'm fine as fuck. What's going on here? Um, So I didn't allow for like, I didn't go with the current. I was always constantly bucking up against it to try to shape the experience that I know I thrive the best in. Mm. What do you think that you being a sex educator gave you in terms of this experience of having a kid? Because it seems like It seems like your experience of being a mom and being in this body and being sexual, like, I just don't hear people talk about that aspect of being a parent, you know? Mm. And so I'm wondering, like, what has the sex education piece, being a sexologist, how has that helped you sort of, like, I guess, form or express who you are in a deeper way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think because we've got practice with the taboo Mm. and having discussions about the taboo, like this is already an area that so many people live in such deep shame and they're so afraid to admit their inadequacies because you never hear anybody else mention them. That's because no one's talking about it, period. So I think with motherhood, it could probably easily get into the same box of everyone's so afraid to admit that they don't know what they're doing. They're so afraid to admit that they don't feel happy. They don't feel fulfilled because there's so much taboo with even saying those things out loud. But I guess because I already have practice in a space that's difficult to have these dialogues in, it's so much easier for me to ask for help. It's I feel it's a lot easier for me to admit where I'm not great and not to feel like that's a reflection on who I am as a mom as a whole. Um, so I feel like as much, I mean, my, the knowledge that I have isn't helping my nine-month-old baby. You know, she's not coming to me with questions about her body yet. So <laughs> it's not directly like engaging or impacting my you know ability to be a mom to her yet I know in the future of course it will but I think currently what it has given me more than anything else is one the permission to prioritize my pleasure I think that helps me be a better mom in general I talked about this in a video where I had to get to a place where I had to talk to my mom guilt directly Mm. because the mom guilt is sitting with me right now 
of like, oh, it's been a long time and you should be inside, like she needs you. But I also know that if I spent the entire day with her watching Pokio, crawling around on the ground, feeding her snacks, wrestling with her, at the end I'd look in the mirror and not feel good about myself. You know what I mean? Like not feel like I enriched myself. So instead it's like giving myself the space to do what enriches me so that when I come with her, to come together with her, I'm excited, I'm full of life and I have so much more to give. Like I, my cup is full and now I'm like, let me give you some of that. Um, so I think in general, giving myself permission to still be sexual and sensual while acknowledging that while that is inherently something that has to do with self, it benefits my child ultimately. That's a long ass answer. No, but. that's no, that's really beautiful. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of like a fly on the wall here because like, I don't have kids. I don't plan on having children. That's not in my, in my uh, trajectory of how I want my life to go. And so I've, I, but I've always wondered like, what would it look like for me to be a parent and how, how might that relationship be? And would I lose aspects of my sexual self or my sensual self? One of the reasons why, um, and this is not where I thought the conversation was going to go, but we'll just, we'll just let it go there. One of the reasons why I don't want to have children is because I feel that I would be a bad mom and not like bad in the sense of like, you know, I wouldn't take care of my kid. I think that I would, because of my own wounding and my own core wounds around the trauma that I have, I think that I would be a mom that would be crawling on the floor all the time, giving snacks, like 100, I think I would lose myself to my kid. Mm. And I think, I, I don't, I don't want to say that I, I wouldn't have the power to change that. I think that I would, but I think that it would be so difficult for me. Like you just naming the fact that like, you're sitting here with me, we've been recording like pretty much all day and you have that feeling of like, oh, my kid is upstairs. I'm like, oh wow, I would feel that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that I would be able to sit here and talk to you because I think that that feeling would be so overwhelming and so powerful that I would probably be like, you know what? I don't need to do my work. Like I'm just going to be, and I think that's because that's how my mom was. Like my mm. mom was very much like my, like my career is mom, Yes, you know? And so I, I want to give myself credit in the sense of like, you know, I, I know myself well enough to know that like, if it's something that I really wanted, I would absolutely move through that. But that's one of the fears that I have that I think that I would lose my identity to being a parent. It's fascinating because as you said that you were afraid that you'd be a bad mom, in many people's definition, you just define what a good mom is, mm. right? Like a good mom is somebody who gives up everything, who sacrifices self, who devotes that's, their time. That's a great point. Who shift, makes that shift. And that is a good mom. But I'm a good mom too and I don't do those things. Yeah. So I think you know, we had a dialogue uh, on my podcast just before this about your relationship and how you redefined what a good relationship looked like for you on your terms. And right. it was realizing that doing all the things that would actually indicate that you're not in a good relationship actually was what made your relationship thrive. Mm. So I think for me is acknowledging that doing a lot of the things that maybe people would look at like, oh, like you, you must not be a devoted. Like I am, for example, um, a very infuriating, infuriating mother for people to be around if they're very concerned with safety. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just not. I prioritize um, exploration and freedom and independence. I prioritize her learning for herself. Mm. Like Ryu knows how to go down backwards off of furniture. 
because she's gone forwards many times. And I'm like, you're going to figure it out that you can't go face forward over stuff. And if I continuously correct you and I'm always around you in furniture, I'm sure you learn eventually, but I just prioritize different kind of parenting. So I had to also, again, like, I think because I've got to a space in my relationship where I'm like, what's a good relationship to me is indicators of being a bad partner to other people. Mm. But that's okay because on my vantage and in my world, it's amazing over here. Yeah. I think because I did that already, I did that work there. It's easier for me to allow myself to do that work here and to identify that being a good mom probably looks like being a bad mom to a lot of people. Right. And I'm okay with you thinking that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with you not wanting to model. What I want to model for you is freedom of choice and freedom of expression and options. Yeah. I want to model for you that there's not a one size fits all way. But I also acknowledge that if my way is your nightmare, that's okay. Um, <laughs> your way might be my nightmare. Yeah. But I would never enter into your home and make a suggestion for you if you felt like you were full and essential expression and present in your role and how you want to show up in that way. Um, and obviously, of course, when you're talking about the life of another life that depends on you, there's limits to that because she's not autonomous and, you know, I'm in charge of protecting her. So there are limitations to what I'm talking about in this kumbaya free, like do as you wish world, because obviously her safety and her well-being come first. And there are hard lines around what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like there's, there, yeah, there's a lot in here around how, how many more things that I have to like work through yes. in order for me to get to a place of confidence and comfortability about that being a choice. And I think that I'm at a place where I'm like, I've got so much other work to do mm-hmm. before I can even think about that. Um, and I know that that's not a thing that a lot of people, I mean, I, I know of a lot of people who are just like, I just want to have a kid. Like, yes. it doesn't really matter where I'm at, like where, what sort of frame of mind I'm in. Like, that is my destiny. I'm going to be a parent. And for me, I'm like, if I'm going to be a parent, which I'm probably not, but if I'm ever going to be like, I want to make sure that I am going to be the best version of myself for myself and also for my kid, you know? There are two things in this world that I just do not think you should be pushed into doing because there's so much work. If you don't go in it completely autonomous and arms up and excited for it, it is so difficult to be good at them. Mm. I think that's school and parenting. I think I'm also back in school right now and I'm, again, in my like late 30s at this point and... It's such a very different experience from being in school, even in my early 20s, yeah. right? Just because, like, I'm sitting here listening to somebody talk about shit that I don't necessarily <laughs> care about, and I'm paying for this. Yeah. And I don't want to be here. My parents told me I had to be here. So my attitude is just not going to be the same. I'm not going to treat the... um educational environment the same so being an adult learner is such a drastically different experience because I know exactly why I'm there and every time that I want to skip doing my homework or not read a chapter I'm like bitch you you chose to be here nobody (laughs) asked you to be here yeah nobody pushed you into doing this like you volunteered you're paying your money you've got to find the value in it I think that being a parent so much of the same thing because it's so time consuming and so much work and It really is all of those things. And every time that I get to a space where I feel overwhelmed, I get to remind myself joyfully that I came into this completely by my own choice and my Mm, own volition. And I think that's actually improved it. So I never understand people that try to pressure people into those choices. Like those are really things to decide for yourself. And 
trust me, the world's going to be completely fine, Evian, if you don't have kids. <laughs> like, we're okay. You know what I mean? Like, don't let anybody else feel like their livelihood or their well-being is going to be negatively impacted by your choice. Yeah. You know, like, so, girl, yeah. Oh, sorry, excuse no, me. No, no, no. No, girl is fine. Um, we're, we're black people, so okay. I, I, can, I include girl as AAVE, so you're good. <laughs> I think that if that's where you're at, be in that space. Like, I loved being 33 and not wanting kids. And it's interesting because someone said to me, every time I talk to you, there's an evolution. Mm. Because the last time I spoke to you was years prior. You didn't want to have kids. And now you have one. And I was like, it's not an evolution. Mm. Because an evolution is an indicator that I'm, like, becoming more civilized, right? Or, like, yeah. more, I guess, I, I don't know what the word is. What, how would you define that? Like, what is evolution? It's, I, I mean... I I would say that evolution is like you are in one place and then you end up in a totally different place. But it's better. Yeah. Right? Like right. you were crawling and now you're walking. Yes. Like you've evolved, like you've improved. And I did not improve. The version of me that didn't want a kid was the best version of me. And I love that version of me. And I would gladly make out and mutually masturbate with that version <laughs> of myself because I'm so thankful for the decisions that they made and for the self-awareness to say no not right now mm. while I'm also grateful for the place that I'm in now but like there's no part of me that looks back at my other self and said oh if only you knew like I don't scoff at that version of myself so I think like yeah like sitting in and I think more people in general should feel celebrated and really being mindful about this decision decision making process but also owning whatever it is that feels right for you yeah yeah what would you say to people who are wanting to be more in their sensuality and in their pleasure as a mom and maybe they haven't or as a parent and maybe they haven't um they don't they don't have models of what that could look like maybe because their own parents took a different route or maybe they don't have the kind of background education like you and I do regarding sex education and like really getting into the mix of all those taboos like I'm just thinking about folks who are like, God, I, I want to feel like myself and I want to express myself and I want to have a whole self identity practice ritual with myself on a daily basis that isn't just this one aspect of me. Like, I just wonder if you have any, I don't know, tips. <laughs> I would love to give tips, but I also need to acknowledge the massive amounts of privilege that I have in my life that have allowed me to prioritize my sensuality mm. in a way that a lot of people just literally wouldn't have the time to do. I appreciate you saying that because that's that's real. It is that's real. so real. I think even with all the help, we have somebody, Jared's brother works with us full time. So nine to five, he is here just to like help with whatever it is that we need. And sometimes that's making a meal, it's taking the trash out because those are real decisions. Like when you have another life that literally she is up, I don't know what, she sleeps maybe four hours a day. The rest of the time, she needs full attention. Not like I'm sitting in the same room with you and I'm doing on the computer and you're doing your thing. I literally can do nothing else if I'm with the baby. And that it'll be that way for a while until, you know, she gets on the iPad, which, you know, <laughs> I had judgments about parents and iPads, but now I'm like, I can't wait until there's an <laughs> off button. You know what I mean? Like you could do something else other than like, because if I'm not looking at her, she's trying to harm herself. So, like, I have to give full attention, you know, all the time. And she requires that stimulation. And she benefits, I see how she thrives from it. So I give it to her. But 
you have to make a decision between like, am I going to have one less hour of sleep or have sex with my husband? Mm. Am I going to have one less hour of sleep or am I going to make food rather than ordering in something that's going to make me feel like shit because it's fast, but do I want to, what's it's, I'm weighing the things out, right? Because making a good, healthy meal makes me feel good, but I lose an hour of time where I can use that hour to go work out so that I enjoy my body more. I could use that hour to get my feet done, which I don't know if you can see my heels. <laughs> They're even really bothering me. <laughs> I've got to work on that. Like every time, like I have the kind of heels that if I walk, you hear me, <laughs> right? Like if I get into the sheets, you hear me. That's bugging me. I have to prioritize it today. Like I know I do have to prioritize that, but um, I think that you have to make those like real decisions. And because I have the vantage of resources, community, um, a partner, I have a lot more wiggle room there. Mm-hmm. Some people like they're genuinely, there's no additional time. And yeah. if there isn't, then that's where you have to meet yourself where you are. I think I was in a position to challenge myself to be where I wanted to be. Um, and so it's a lot simpler for me to make those shifts. But again, I think because sex is such a big part of how I show up in this world, I assume that even if I was a single parent, you know, who didn't have a lot, if I did have an extra half hour, that's how I would invest my time. Yeah. So it's really a matter of investment and choices. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that a lot because I, I have heard from many parents that like they're unable to, um, have the kind of sex that they want to have or be in the relationship with themselves that they want to have or, or interact with their bodies or, or be like still enough in their own bodies to like feel into what their bodies need because, and this doesn't even just happen with parents. I mean, it happens with all of us because we live in a world that is so demanding and we have so many responsibilities and needs and uh, it can be really difficult to feel like you have that time, but it's so important. Like there's always more time. Like you can always, yes. even if it is like five minutes, I like to think about that. Like I'm in this really interesting process where I'm trying to like be with my body more in silence, which is really difficult for me because I'm like, I don't really want to be with my body in silence. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in it. A lot of thoughts, a lot of anxiety. Um, and for me, the first thing that I think of is like, okay, I got to get to the point where I can sit in meditation for an hour. But like, we can go for three minutes. Like it doesn't have to be an hour. If I can spend three minutes intentionally breathing into my belly, like that is a practice and that can be enough. And so I just wonder if there are other folks who can also take from that as well. Like it doesn't have to be an hour long, you know, passion pit of pleasure. (laughs) I would say the basic things I did that I think were massively, the water bottle I have right here. I have a gallon water bottle so that I'm literally forcing myself to hydrate all day and I never think I'm thirsty and I don't have that option Mm. I'm so much better when I have tons of water in my body I know a day night experience with that especially during pregnancy when your body's working overtime that's one simple thing I would say buy yourself a big ass water bottle Um, (laughs) genuinely that made a a different impact for me I think too like I use YouTube workouts I don't ever work out more than 20 minutes a day I do this 20 minute cardio one or I do seven minutes or eight minutes of abs. Obviously, when I was pregnant, I did not do that. But like in postpartum, like feeling strong in my core, feeling good in my body, feeling fit is important to me. So I didn't have tons of time. A really huge one, let me say, is I need 
to find ways to incorporate my kid into my wellness mm. and into my even my sensual experiences. So for us, we bring her to restaurants. If she's screaming, I don't care. I'm there for me. I'm there to feel like an adult. I'm there to be, you know, out. I want to dress up. And is it perfect with a baby? No, but like you're coming along. I work out with my baby. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that like she's always on the deck with me during that time. And like, is it perfect because she's distracting? Like, no, it's not. But I know that if I can't incorporate you into these parts of my life, I'm likely to not do them. And when I don't do them, I don't feel like the best version of me. Mm. Um, even like in the food that we eat, like it's not like kind of to the question you asked about, like, how is things different, you know, from having a baby? I really fight as much as I possibly can to not make it that different. Like even this is going to be a joke that can be taken out of context, but let me just go with that. But my husband was like, you have a really weird fetish with like making out in front of the baby. I'm like, it's not that. It's just that I want to make out with you and the baby's here. So I'm not trying to separate it and be like, Oh, can't do that. Like, yeah, I still, if I, if I'm looking across at you and I think that you look really hot right now, like I want to engage with that, you know, she's nine months. So don't get me wrong. As she gets older, we'll find age appropriate ways, but I, you know, I'm probably going to still walk around naked around my baby. Like there's just going to be the least amount possible that I can separate, you know, that you become a part of my life rather than my life gets redefined by your life. I think we'll both benefit. Wow. That's beautiful. That's radical to me. That's so radical. Cause it's so different from the way that I was raised. Like my, my mom was like very compartmentalized in the way that like mom, wife, it was very, very separate. So and honestly, I think you're like one of the only friends that I have that has a kid. A lot of my friends don't have children. They've either made the decision not to or they're just like not in a place to even consider that. And so I'm always really fascinated to have conversations like this because it helps me to see like what's possible. I'm smiling. So I'm like, did you just call me your friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl, we're friends. I mean, we've only met each other twice in person. But I mean, you know, yes, it is what it is. We're friends. We are friends. I do feel that. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I'm making <laughs> intentional eye contact right now. <laughs> We're friends. Yeah, like I, th I just think it's really important to have like conversations like this to see what's possible. And it also helps me to, to know that like there isn't just like one way to do it, you know, or like two ways or three ways. There's like many different ways and... I love what you're talking about here about really prioritizing yourself. Like you having a kid didn't change the way that you are focused on yourself and the way that you care about yourself. And that's, that's just not a narrative that I, I hear at all, you know? Yeah, I maybe that's for good reason. I don't know. We're going to find <laughs> out. I might have a terrible child and we're like, that did not work out. So it's kind of like to be continued. And I, I like that aspect of things, you know, like... Yeah. Um, I know that right now I have a really happy kid who's developing and who I enjoy and who people enjoy and I think enjoys their time on this planet. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm doing it the right way. I'm just, you know, doing it the way that I feel like I can show up the best as myself and as a result of that um, in community with other people. Yeah. What do you hope to teach Ryu about her body and her sensuality? Oh, I mean, I think, what, what, you know, what's so crazy how simple that question is and how I've like, don't have a concrete answer. It's to okay it. if you don't, but I'd love that to, to reflect on. Yeah. Just sit in silence for a second. 
there's a license plate in uh, in I'm from Canada and uh, Ontario's license plate is yours to discover. And that's what like kind of comes to mind for me, like yours to discover. Mm. This is your body. This is your experience. These are this is your genitals. That is your clitoris. Like you do with it and you discover and you play and you experiment on your terms. And I have a saying that you know I live by, which is like, I own it, they love it. Because I think for a long time, I lived in a they love it, so I own it world. Mm. Like waiting for other people yes. to validate something before I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like it too. Yeah. Rather than being like, nah, like what works for me and what makes me the best version of myself will naturally align with what other people want for me. Because other people, if they're healthy for me, should just want me to be the best version and expression of myself. And that comes with trust too, like trusting that my natural instincts aren't bad. Yeah. Um, and so I think that a lot of what I experienced in my growing up was not yours to discover. It was, I'll tell you when it's okay. Yes. I'll tell you if it's okay. Wait, don't trust yourself. What you want to do and what you should do are not aligned. And I think that there's so much I could learn from my five-year-old and beyond as my earliest memories. But, you know, from my five-year-old version of my body and what it was meant to do on my relationship with it, I think that there was a lot of, I, I got in trouble a lot for the way that I sexualized myself or the way that I interacted with myself even sensually. Um, I wish that I had that yours to discover mantra. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. I wish I had that too. Like five-year-old baby Avian, I think about her a lot. I think about her a lot and the ways that she wasn't allowed to express herself or in feel into her body or being discouraged against feeling into your body or the emotions that come up in them. So I love that, that notion of yours to discover. I've been doing a lot of like inner child work lately and just like therapy and trauma resolution. And I think that I'm going to give baby Evie on that. Yay. Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful mantra. Thank you for sharing Shout that. Shout out to Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shan, it's been really good chatting with you. Before I go, is there anything that you want to say? Any questions that you would like for me to ask that I haven't asked you? You know that always brings up, you know, when you're in school and the teacher is like, anyone have any questions? And you don't. And then you're like, fuck, if I want to get a good grade, I better come up with something. No, there's, um, there's no right or wrong. <laughs> well, I know you'll probably do this in this episode. But I would love to hear more reflections on you around choosing not to mother. Mm. I think that that's such a, I wish I talked about it more yeah. when I was in that space. It's so fascinating to me, like looking back, a lot of the times I get um, criticized for vulnerability mm. in the present. Like, why are you sharing this? Why are you saying this out loud? You don't have to talk about this. This could be a private conversation. And then it's never, it's interestingly enough, because people think that when you share, it's going to get used against you. Yeah. But it's actually the opposite that when I look back, I'm like, I wish I leaned more into my truth then. Yes. Like I would have loved to have heard from myself. And I can also listen back to old interviews or watch old videos and see where I'm editing myself because I'm not sure if the way that I feel is okay. Yeah. So I love the fact that there's someone like yourself who is sensual and who is doing the work and who 
challenges themselves to know themselves who is identifying as somebody who doesn't want to have kids. So I feel like there's so much reflection in that that I would just love to hear or the 33-year-old version of myself would, would love to have heard. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, I haven't really talked about this publicly. I mean, my work has been so focused on sex and I just, I, I think people have asked me in my career, like, when are you guys going to have babies? You'd make such cute babies, which by the way, we totally would make really beautiful babies. Uh, but like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just never talked about it. No one's ever really asked me, but I'm happy to just like talk a little bit about it here. I mean, we're already on the subject. So maybe this will be like, okay, everyone, if you want to hear my answer about whether or not I want kids, listen to episode, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I've heard from people who said that they knew that they wanted to be parents from the time that they were really young. And that was never my experience. I played with dolls, but that was, that was more like sort of playing house, you know, it wasn't like I identify as this, you know, cabbage patch kids, mom. It was more like I'm playing, like we're playing. And I've, I've heard from other people that, for them, it wasn't playing. It was like, I'm imagining myself as being a parent and like holding this baby and, and nurturing this baby. And that never really was it for me. It was more like make-believe. And then the moment that we were done playing, me and my sister, the doll would go on a shelf. And I didn't have that identity around being a mom. And I also never had a desire to have kids. Um, yeah, it just, it wasn't something that was like a pull or a nudge. And for me, you know, being the sensual, you know, body-based person that I am, like I really go based off of what my body is saying. I go based off of like what my hungers are. And I just never, I've never had a hunger to be a kid. Now I've, or to have a kid, like I have definitely felt pressurized. And I've definitely felt like I'd been in relationships where there was like, okay, we're in love and eventually we'll get married and eventually we'll have a kid. Like that was sort of like the, the escalator of success in terms of an adult. So I was definitely on that ride. But then when I realized that I get to choose, like I get to create the kind of relationship that I want with myself, with my partner, the kind of life that I want to live and knowing that I had that option, I was like, sweet, I'll take it. Like, I don't, I don't think that I want to have children. I'll be a bomb ass auntie for some, for some little, little human in the world. I would love that opportunity. I don't, I'm not around babies enough to like flex that muscle, but yeah, I've never, I've never had the desire or the nudge. I've been curious, but that curiosity has never turned into let's give it a try Yes, because I know I just, I've seen so many people play with having kids. It's just like, yeah, let's make a baby. Sure. I just take this so seriously. Maybe it's because I'm a Virgo and like, I want to think about all the things before I make a decision. I just, I would not be able to take that decision lightly. And it's not one of those things where I'm like, I'm curious about it. Let's give it a try and see what happens. I'm like, no, I want to like, make sure that if I'm going to do this, I'm 100% committed. I'm not going to fuck my kid up, which is like inevitable. We're always, I think just in the world that we live in, you can't have a perfect kid. Um, but there's that. The other aspect of that that I want to be really honest about is that, like, I am very selfish. Like, I love my time. I love my partner. I don't want to share my partner with another child. I don't I, I'm worried about what that dynamic would do between us 
again, I think we would be able to work through it. We would move past it. I think we would find ways to make it work for us. Uh, but there's this part of me that's like, I don't know if I want to be bothered. You know, like I'm, I'm really happy to be my own person. And I'm really grateful as well to have met a partner that wants the same. You know, like we're both very much mutually in agreement about not having kids. And we actually made the decision pretty early on in our relationship. I want to say within like, what, like five years of us being together that he got a vasectomy because I didn't want to be on birth control for the rest of my life. And yeah, I'm so happy about that. I don't have any regrets. And I think I, I've waited, I've waited for that like biological clock to kick in. It's something that I've heard people say, like, once you hit 30, you're going to feel it. Once you hit 33, once you hit 35. And I'm still like, I don't have, I don't have any nudges mm-hmm. or, or desires. If it were to come up, I would, I would think about that and see where I'm at, but I'm not going to be like my biological, I don't honestly believe in the biological clock. I've done some research on it about how the biological clock is just a term that a journalist made up to describe something else out of context. So I don't even believe that a biological clock exists, but I do believe that there is social pressures yes. that are put on us yes. that like you hit 30, your eggs are it freezing mounts. up. Or, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's. That's kind of it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for asking that question or inviting me to um, explore that. Because again, like no one, that's not a question that I get asked often. No, like, and everything ever. you were saying, I was like, facts, facts, <laughs> like all of that. You know what I mean? Like I just, as somebody who has a kid, I'm just like, there's nothing that you said I'm not completely in line with. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for parents. I have a lot of respect for the amount of hard work that it takes to raise a human. Mm-hmm especially in this world that we live in. I mean, God, I just, when I see people having kids, I just, I have so much love and compassion for them because I know that it's not an easy job. It's very hard, you know? Um, And I think that I would be, I think that I would be up to the task should that happen. I just don't want it to happen. I'd rather do something else. (laughs) I was like, I'd rather macrame. Like I'd rather macrame than have a kid. Mm -hmm. I'd rather eat chocolate cake than have a kid. I don't know. Chocolate cake's pretty bomb. And I think that that's, you know, it's interesting because we were talking about that in terms of, um, we're talking about the topic of male vulnerability. And this guy put it in the way that I really appreciated of like, do I acknowledge that I probably should get to a space where I'm more comfortable talking about my feelings? Sure. But right now I'm building a deck. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. And I want to do that. Yes. So like, is there a part of me that thinks that maybe there's an iteration of me that could work? Like, is there a part of me like that I'm... I think a big part of being comfortable in your identity is being comfortable in the lack of permanence. You know what I mean? When you get to a place of like, I feel really good about saying this today. I also am not going to be embarrassed if in three years I feel my life looks very different. Right. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, like I know I said that, but I'm going to have to go back on it. Like, yeah. It's okay. You know, but I'm right now, I want cake instead. (laughs) I mean, like, that's what I'm doing. I'm eating cake. I'm being sensual. I'm rebirthing a podcast. I have a book coming out in a few days. I have a relationship that I am 
celebrating and reforming. I have friends, I have community. I'm in the city I want to be in. Like that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Bitch, I'm booked and busy. Yeah. I mean, and that's liable to change, you know? And like, that's, that's the thing about being human is that like nothing is set in stone. I, we may have a conversation in two years and I may say, Shan, I'm having a little, I mean, right. you never know. Yeah. You might have adopted my kid in two years. <laughs> I might be like, I didn't like it. And you're like, I'll take your kid. That might be the conversation. And I'm open for that adventure. <laughs> Imagine a joint podcast where we talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> that whole adventure. Oh, my gosh. She did take to you right away. She waved. Yes. I was very surprised by that, especially because I was wearing a mask. Yes. That she could see, like, you know, my friendly eyes. So that's good. She's very slow to wave, usually. So what, I what's will... her sign? Um, November 12th. Oh, so she's she's Scorpio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, little Scorpio baby. Yeah. Yeah, it usually Aww. takes a while to like wave. I, I think it's more about motor skills. Okay. <laughs> Just like the concept of like, oh, I, this is what a greeting is, but she waved at you like really, really early. So. That was really sweet. I loved it. I'm already a fan of Ryu. I'm like, where is she? <laughs> Bring her out. Um, well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. It was so fun and went in completely different directions than I had originally planned, but I can't imagine. I, I think it must have gone exactly as you would have planned. <laughs> I think we touched on all the core points here. So I had a yeah. joy. No, it was, it was perfect. It was divine timing. I had so many other questions, but it just, it worked out. This here way. we are. So thank you. We're having an affirmative touch in case yes. you guys can't see, see that. Yes. That's what that was. It was a dap. Well, thank you so much, Shan. Do you want to tell people where folks can find you? Yes. Yeah. I have a podcast, when, but it comes out October 6th. Maybe by this time, this is November 6th, 2025. So <laughs> this is a moot point. But it's a weekly podcast called Lovers and Friends, available everywhere podcasts are. And I just couldn't be more thrilled about this birth. Yes. And I'm a guest as well. So you yes. Can tune in. On three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tune in to Lovers and Friends. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll do something else sometime soon. Thank you for having me. Uh, I loved this conversation so much and I'm really grateful to Shan for being so honest and open about her experiences of parenthood. And I'm wondering for you, what kinds of feelings this episode brought up for you? Like, if you're a parent, if it made you think about the ways you can bring a bit more agency and choice uh, into your life alongside raising your kids. And if you're not a parent, either because it's not time yet or it's just not your jam, how did this conversation shift any internal narratives you have about what raising kids should look like? I'm really curious to know. Um, you can share your thoughts and feelings with me on Instagram. The podcast's Insta is sensual.self. My personal Insta is evian.whitney. Or, you know, you could leave a review and uh, share your piece there. I always want to hear from you. So please feel free. Tell me what's on your mind after listening to me and Shan speak. So let's get into this week's sensual practice, shall we? Uh, okay, so near the end of this episode, I loved what Shan said about what she hopes to teach her kid about her body and sensuality. I think so often in this work of liberating and healing ourselves, we can get so focused on ourselves and our own journeys. Or wait, let me speak for myself. I get really focused on healing myself that I forget that this work isn't just about me. 
It's about helping the people that come after me have their own experiences of sexual liberation and bodily autonomy and pleasure potential. I'm not going to have kids in this lifetime, but I still think about the ways my beliefs and politics around sexuality and sensual embodiment are helping to shape the future generation's ideas of themselves through the kind of work that I do. So I want to ask you, what do you hope to teach this next generation about sex and sensuality? What permission slips do you want to pass down to them when it comes to taking up space and discovering the nuances of their various identities? What barriers do you want to help break for them in the realm of shame and disconnection and not showing themselves? And what values do you want to help instill in the kids today in service of their own sexual and sensual liberation? Whether you have kids or not, I'd love for you to take some time with those questions and see what comes up with the note that you first might need to ask yourself what your values are around your sexuality and sensuality, which is also super important. Um, So yeah, take a few moments with yourself and process these questions. Maybe even have an age-appropriate conversation with a young one in your life about what sensuality is. And uh, yeah, let me know how it goes. Sensual Self is created and hosted by me, Evian Whitney. It is edited by myself and Tribble. Music is by Melody Symphony from his song, Just Healing. For show notes, transcripts, and resources for your sensuality, go to evianwhitney.com slash podcast. You can also follow the show on Instagram at sensual.self. I'm on Instagram at evian.whitney, and you can check out evianwhitney.com to find out more about me and my work. Also, check out my book, Sensual Self, Prompts and Practices for Getting in Touch with Your Body. You can find that wherever you find books. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll see you in the next one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 